0: our bibles tonight and open together please the book of first corinthians first corinthians chapter number five as we continue tonight we pick up where we left off just to remind you uh, the apostle paul is writing here to the church at corinth who is uh, going through a bit of uh, moral failure not just a bit a whole lot and uh, the church they were suffering from uh, from their own carnality and vice and by god's grace paul intervened and we seek the Lord tonight as we come to the Word of God. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me this evening as we read together, beginning in verse number one of chapter five. We'll read down through verse number thirteen. The Bible says, It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles, then one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up and Have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present, concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan, for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man uh, that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore, put away from from among yourselves that wicked person. Father, we pray tonight for your blessing upon the preaching of the word of God. Lord, that you would still our hearts and our minds, and Lord, that you'd help us focus once again on your word. Lord, that there'd be no distractions, no hindrances, nothing that would uh, uh, con- uh, come in conflict with the word of God tonight. And so, Lord, we pray for your help, and God, we pray for liberty this evening. Lord, we are living in an, an ever uh, carnal world the things the world condones and and praises lord are are just not right father may your people be different may you help us guard our hearts this evening lord may you help us guard our hearts and make decisions and and take action that would uh, lead us to victory in our christian lives and so lord we love you and we pray all of these things in jesus name Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention once again to what the Bible says in verse number 7. Paul writes and he instructs, saying, Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. The Apostle Paul is dealing with sin. We live in a society where sin is, is... excused away. We live in a society where even churches are silent concerning the matters of sin. We live in, a, in an age where quote-unquote Christianity opens itself up to worldliness and as a result there's immorality and there's drunkenness and there's revilings and all kinds of extortion all kinds of wicked, terrible things that ought not have their place amongst God's people. You and I are different. The Lord has called us to be a different people. Remember what Paul writes, even the church of Corinth, he says, Come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. In our lives, we must must draw the line. You remember from this morning that the word leaven is not so much talking about the yeast that we uh, put in bread, it's talking about sin. When we read in the Word of God of leaven, leaven refers to sin. In verse uh, number 6, the Bible says, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? The sin of my life is not contained primarily to me. It permeates. And it's transmitted. It's shared. And just like something that is rotten. That's what the, this leaven it brings about, fermentation Death and corruption. And nothing will hinder God's work more than sin. But may God give us the desire tonight to simply be clean. And we discussed this at length this morning. But when we come to God and we're made clean, how can I stay clean? Don't don't you want to stay clean? And I don't I don't live by emotion. I live by truth, but there's something that can be said for knowing that you're right with God. There's something that can be said to, to knowingly be walking with the Lord, moment by moment, step by step, knowing that there's nothing between my God and my, uh, me and my Savior, me and my God, to be living with, in communion with my Lord, to know. That there's nothing in my life that is hindering God's power, working, and blessing. How do we stay clean? Remember this morning, we're clean salvation. Uh, We're clean uh, when we confess our sin because He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're clean through the Word of God. But how do we stay clean? I want you to write these things down tonight. I believe they'll be of utmost help to you this evening. I want you to write down the first lesson that we see is that we must flee fornication. Flee fornication. The church in Corinth did not flee fornication. And may I tell you, this is the leaven, this the sin of fornication. This is the sin that the Apostle Paul has named. This is the sin that he is addressing because instead of of being different from the world and guarding our hearts against immorality and moral failure, instead of doing those things, they opened themselves up to it. And now there was a man who was sleeping with his father's wife. Horrible, wicked, terrible, vile. Look how the Bible describes it in verse number 1. He says, it is reported commonly. In other words, this this is no matter of arguing. Everybody knows this. You cannot hide it. It's, it's polarizing and it's obvious. He says that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. Even the Romans who were vile people, who were pagan, even the Corinthians who were vile pagan people would not... Stoop to this low. May I tell you that that it, all fornication is sin. It doesn't matter what type of fornication. You, God has called us to possess our, our our vessels with sanctification and with honor. And it makes no difference. You know, sometimes we can you know, we we compare apples to oranges, but at the end of the day, sin is sin, and you and I must not participate in the sins of fornication. Fornication is a sexual sin. It is going outside the the realm of God's Word, the bounds of Scripture, outside the bounds of marriage to satisfy a physical craving that should only be enjoyed between a husband and a wife. And we see here that that Paul is writing and he makes the statement here in verse 2 concerning their pride. They're not ashamed of it. Uh, They've ignored it. And simply by ignoring it, they've condoned it. And they've not dealt with it. This man should have been put outside the church, but there he remains firmly positioned within the body. He says, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. He says, For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one, unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus you see there's a there's a requirement here you know we i was talking to someone the other day there's a there's a movement amongst so-called independent baptist that that ignores things that doesn't deal with sin as as the bible commands I tell you, these are hard things to discuss. These are difficult subjects to address. But but know this that these things mustn't be allowed or tolerated amongst the body of Christ. And there is a prescription given, and it's something that is not pleasant, it's something that is not enjoyable. It's something that hurts, but is necessary for the furtherance of the gospel and the power of God. And it's this matter of church discipline. Paul told them listen, you need to take this man who has committed this deed and you need to expel him from the church. For what reason? The Bible describes it here in verse 5. It says to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Understand this, that when someone is, is excommunicated from the church, when someone is disciplined, it's for their own good and for the good of the body. Years ago, I was on a mission trip. And uh, I was, we were in, in Jamaica. We were in a city called Darleston, way out in the middle of the island, up in the mountains. rained every day, uh, a lot every day. And I remember when there was one day we were conducting a vacation Bible school, and, and we were outside playing ultimate frisbee. We were trying to teach these children how to play ultimate frisbee. And something happened, I stumbled and I went to reach down and catch myself before I fell and I didn't see it when I landed, but my hand went onto a barbed wire fence. I caught my hand on the fence and I thought, oh, well, whatever, you know. So I went and I washed it out as as best I could, Uh, took some hand sanitizer and which I think was 90% alcohol, at least it felt like it. Um, washed my hand with that and bandaged it up and we just went back out and uh, continued vacation Bible school there in the village that we were in. So then several days had passed and we were preparing to head home and we were in Montego Bay getting ready to board the flight and I just didn't feel well. Uh, I started to, to get chills and I looked down at my hand and Sure enough, my hand, was, my hand was inflamed. It was swollen. It was red. And I thought, well, there's not much I could do. We really did, we had no medical supplies, but I, I washed it again. I cleaned it as, to the best of my ability, and I got on the airplane and, and flew home. We flew into Nashville, Tennessee. My parents were waiting to pick us up from the airport and drive, drive us home the, the following day. We arrived at the airport and got all of our luggage, went to the hotel, and just laid down. thought, man, I'm just not feeling well. At this time, I began to feel a little bit nauseated, and my hand was beginning to, it was going from simply being inflamed to feel the heat on my hand. The next morning, I I looked at my hand, and there were red marks going up my arm. I had blood poisoning. And so I was in and out of consciousness. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but on the way home, my mother called the doctor. And they said, as soon as, he, as soon as you're in town, just come on over and we'll look at it. And sure enough, blood poisoning. And I got a nice strong dose of antibiotic. And a few days later, I was as good as new. But if sin is not dealt with, it's like that blood poisoning. It's not simply contained to the spot of the infection. It spreads. That's why it's important that that we rid the body of Christ of the infection. We must cleanse it. We must deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. What does that mean? It means that God is gracious. That's what it means. It means that who has sinned is delivered and, and allowed of the Lord to be tried and tested. Things will enter this person's life. I've seen it firsthand. I've witnessed it. In the lives of others, I've watched people's lives fall apart because of their failure and unwillingness, their pride to deal with this sin. But it's done not not out of anger, not because they are unloved but because it's what's best for them and the local church. Look at at what the Bible says in verse 5. It says that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. You see, one day that person will stand before Jesus Christ if he's a child of God. If he truly is born again. If he's not, he's just going to fall back into the world. But if he's truly saved, if he knows the Lord as his Savior... The Lord is going to deal with this man, this individual, out of love in an attempt to bring him back to himself. So that this man will, be, will, will decide to get right with God and have the blessings of God upon his life instead of the curse of God upon his life. But Christians, instead of embracing this as the church at Corinth had done, you and I must flee fornication. Don't embrace it. Flee from it. Would you look at what the Word of God says in the book of Matthew, please. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter number 5. Sometimes we think that fornication is limited to the physical act itself. However, however, Our Savior speaks different concerning this truth. In Matthew chapter 25, and again in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in verse 27, the Bible says, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. So there was an understanding of them of old time that you shouldn't commit adultery. And we would all resoundingly say, amen, it's it's right, we shouldn't. But Jesus expands this truth. He says in verse 28, But I say unto you, so you heard that it was said, but here, let me clarify this for you. Let me make this a little more understandable. He says that whosoever looketh on a woman and lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. You don't have to enter the, the actual physical act. All you have to do is look on that person and say, Oh, and my heart lusts after them. And in your mind, though, you haven't physically done anything. You've thought it. Jesus says in verse number 29, And if thy right I offend thee, pluck it out. And cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not thy whole, bo- thy whole body should be cast into hell. You see, friends, understand this, that, that it is unprofitable concerning this matter. Won't you look back in the Old Testament book of Job, please? Job chapter 31. And consider the covenant that Job entered into with his own eyes. You see, if it's not just limited to the physical and it's only by sight and thought, then we must all beware. David Roy said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. And it's, it's true, it's right. We must guard our heart. There are two avenues of entrance into the heart of man. One is the eyes and one is the ears. What you see and what you hear enter into the heart and defile a man. That's why Solomon wrote, he said, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Parents, word of caution guard what your children are accessible to if there's internet in the house only make it available in a public space you shouldn't allow televisions in your children's in your children's rooms we must go, they're not wise enough to guard their hearts themselves That's why God gave them parents. And you and I are are their shepherds. We're watching out for them. May God give us the help we need. If someone struggles with accountability, make yourself accountable. But notice the the covenant that Job made. He says in verse 1, he says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Christians tonight, know this, that these types of moral sins are some of the greatest hindrances to God's people and God's work. I want you to look with me, if you would please, in the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, we see this truth explained. As Paul writes to this fledgling church, he, sa- he says in chapter 4, in verse number 1, 1 Thessalonians, furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. That and May I tell you, that should be the prayer of our lives, that that we would please God, and that we would abound more and more under the pleasing of our Lord. He says in verse 2, He says, For ye know what commandments we have given you by the Lord Jesus. And I want you to mark verse number 3 um, in some distinguishing way in your Bible. The Bible says in verse 3, says, For this is the will of God. Whenever I read powerful statements such as this, it piques my interest. piques my attention. In other words, God is saying, hey, I've got something big for you here. Don't miss out on it. You know, oftentimes people are searching for God's will. But when God so explicitly states His will, isn't it worth heeding? He says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification Now what is this term sanctification? Remember, it means being set apart from the world unto the Lord. On the the garments of the priests of Israel, it said holiness unto the Lord. They were sanctified. They were set apart unto the service of the King of kings and Lord of lords. They were set apart unto God for service to God. I, I, I feel that some of the greatest failures we make in life is teaching people to be separated from the world instead of teaching people to be separated unto the Lord. If we would just learn to be separated unto the Lord, being separated from the world will take care of itself. But too often we, we get the roles reversed. And we fail, we say, well, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't go there, you shouldn't say this. And because we've never been taught to to draw near to God and to be sanctified unto the Lord, we rebel against all the things we are told we were never allowed to do instead of learning to love our Savior like we should. But the Bible says this, notice, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. Verse number 7, the Bible says, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness church tonight know this that God desires for his people to be holy. Uh, look look ahead in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1 some would scoff at uh, the teaching of holiness and the need for it in the Christian life, but we cannot argue God's word. Holiness is not relative. Holiness is not just being different from the world. Holiness is trying to, to be like the Lord Himself. It takes God's help. It takes God's grace. It takes His work. It takes His Holy Spirit working uh, in our hearts to produce uh, fruits of righteousness. But the Bible says in, in 1 Peter chapter number 1 and verse 13, He says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober in hope, the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. he says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. And may I tell you, this is what the church in Corinth had done. They had fashioned themselves according to their former lusts. I don't believe it was in ignorance. I believe it was in obstinance and rebellion. But their lives did not resemble Christ. It resembled the world in which they had been redeemed out of. But the Bible says this in verse number 14, I'm sorry, verse number 15, says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. God desires a holy people, and if you and I will be holy, we must learn to flee fornication. You know what that means? It means you've got to turn off the television. It means you've got to guard what you watch on the internet. There are things out there that are not wholesome. You know, the, the devil, he, he does a really fine job, doesn't he? At presenting sin in such an alluring way. He does so not in an attempt to, to trap the world because he's already got them. But in an attempt to ensnare God's people. There's something done in the brain. Pornography, for instance. I've read how it rewires the human brain. It makes a person think differently. It makes a person behave more vilely. It's like a drug. Your phone has the same effect on you as a narcotic. Did you know that? That's why people can't put them down. It's true. Studies have proven that your brain responds to social media the same way someone, someone's brain responds to Heroin. Why do you think we have a generation of people that are constantly buried in their phone? Because pop culture is so appealing? No, not really. But may I tell you that you and I must be on guard. Parents, did you know that there are apps that hide apps within your children's phones? Did you know that? It could look like a silly little game but you open that up, pornography. You open that up, all kinds of wretched, vile, wicked things. You and I, we must learn to flee Fornication. Don't embrace it. Run from it because God has a plan. Do you know what His plan is? It's marriage between a man and a woman. Any other form of debauchery contradictory to that is fornication. Won't you look with me we're already near the book of Hebrews. I not you look back quickly and notice what God says in Hebrews chapter 13. And you know, we live in a world where fornication is at the forefront of everything. It's pushed on your children. It's peddled in society. It's sold across entertainment. But it's our job, parents, grandparents, it's our job to represent true marriage. One man, one woman, for one lifetime. That's God's original intent. And so much of our problems would be solved if we would simply return to God's Word. Why don't you look at what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13. It says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Church tonight, guard your hearts. Flee fornication. Don't forfeit the power of God. Don't forfeit the blessing of God. Don't hinder the working of God by our failure to flee these things. Notice the second lesson that we learn. Let's look back. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. The second lesson we learn tonight as we seek to remain clean, not only should we flee fornication, but we need to clean our houses. We need a clean house. Look what the Bible says in verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? He says, Purge out therefore the old leaven. Remember that that term purge out means to thoroughly cleanse. That ye may be a new lump, even, I'm sorry, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The apostle, he gives us a wonderful illustration. I want you to hold your place here and turn with me, please, to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter number 12. Here the children of Israel are preparing for their exodus from Egypt. And uh, the Passover is near, but God gives instruction. The children of Israel, they are are preparing for their redemption, for that covenant that God makes with His people uh, and uh, to establish them. It's it's, it's wonderful. But may I tell you, don't focus so much on, on, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? On your state that you miss sight of your standing. You and I, are in good standing with the Lord, I pray. Uh, we're, we're entered into good standing with God at the moment of salvation. We are his, ch- his children. We've been redeemed. We've been bought out of the world, saved by grace, and given new life. This is exactly what God would do to the nation of Israel as He pa- as the angel would come and pass over the land. But in preparing this, God wanted to make sure that they were in a good state, that their houses were clean, and this this tradition continues on to this very day. Look what the Bible says in Exodus chapter number twelve, beginning in verse number fifteen. The Bible says, Seven days shall ye eat unleavened bread; even the first, uh, uh, even the first day, uh, ye." Uh, Ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leaven bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And so if you remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, they, they, that was one week from his crucifixion. It was one week from the Passover. And the children of Israel, they were, they were there cleaning their house. They were, there was a good time of thorough spring cleaning. And they would go and they would get these, these brooms, these palm branches. And they, they, they'd sweep all the leaven. They'd get in the, very, in the corners where, where we oftentimes miss. And, and we, we'd do a thorough cleansing. We'd get rid of all that, all that leaven. We're going to cast it out. So when Jesus rode into Jerusalem and they shouted, Hosanna, they were saying, This is the one that is that will thoroughly cleanse us. Understand the the prophetic significance of what these were saying as Jesus rode in on that on that donkey. But you know what? We don't we just need to clean our houses? This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, clean your house. Is there anything in your life that you've been holding on to that you just don't want to give up? Clean your house, do a thorough cleansing. Not just, oh, it looks clean from 50 yards away and 50 miles an hour. No. Do a thorough cleansing. Seek the Lord in the matter. Ask God if there's anything in your life that needs to be gotten rid of. Hiding in the corners. If there's anything that has been buried underneath the rug, if there's anything hiding in the cabinets, if there's anything that you are just simply unaware of or forgotten about, ask God to give you grace, to give you wisdom, to give you understanding. And may I tell you, don't be puffed up. In your pride, don't say, oh, that's okay, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The Lord does not want to, to keep His children at arm's length. Remember, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Seek the Lord. Now is the time. We must clean our houses. Look in verse 18. The Bible says, in the first month of the fourteenth day of the month at, at even, ye shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. And may I tell you tonight that that the, this this leaven, this sin, was not tolerated in the nation of Israel. It had no place. What were the consequences? They were cut off from the congregation. And I know the church is not Israel and that Israel is not the church. But understand if If sin wasn't to be found or condoned in the nation of Israel, why would we think the church and our lives would be any different? We must clean our houses. Church, purge out, therefore, the old leaven. Get rid of that sin, root it out. Don't hold on to it any longer. Be clean. Notice lastly tonight, as we look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we see our final lesson here. And oftentimes this is the most difficult. It's that we need to forsake fellowship with those in sin. Well, I just want to help them. You can't. Look what Paul writes, beginning in verse number 9. He says, I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. And then he begins to explain himself, what he meant in this former letter. He says, Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must he needs go out of the world. He says, listen, you you might go to the gas station... And the person working uh, at the register is lost. I mean, they might be involved in all kinds of wickedness. But you can't help who you buy gasoline from. I remember when we lived out west. My wife and I, we lived in Las Vegas. And, you know, e- and gambling, everything revolves around gambling in Las Vegas. And I remember people saying, you know what? Man, I would not go anywhere that, that has gambling. I said, well, then you'd go hungry. Because you go in the grocery stores, in the very front of the grocery store, there's slot machines. You'd be walking everywhere too, because you go in the gas station and there'd be slot machines in the gas station. So you'd go hungry and you'd have to walk everywhere. And ain't nobody got time for that. You know, there are certain things that you cannot avoid, you might work with someone. That is a fornicator. You might work with someone who's a drunk. You might work with someone who's covetous. You might work with someone who's an extortioner. There are some things in life that you just can't help. We're in the world, we're not of the world. We're trying to win the world for Jesus Christ. Sometimes our paths are going to cross. Just get over it, it'll be all right. But as we consider this wayward brother, we're not to have any fellowship with them. We're to sever communication. Why? Because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Evil communications corrupt good manners. None of us tonight are strong enough. None of us are good enough to to withstand continual fellowship or really association would probably be a better word with someone who is not living for the Lord. You know we can take it, we understand when it's someone that's lost, and you know what I don't really go out to eat with a bunch of lost people. I don't go hang out at a bar we have we, there's nothing there's really no common there's nothing common that we have, but it's the Christian brother that's wayward that's steeped in moral sin that you must be on guard against. The Bible says this, look, look back there in chapter number, uh, chapter 5. It says, but now I have written unto you, in verse 11, not to keep company, if any man, notice, that is called a brother, be a fornicator, or covetous, he expands it, or an idolater, or a railer. Or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, not to eat. What have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? You see, there's there's levels of authority here that God has given. The authority rests within the local church itself. You know, I can't I can't say anything. I had someone call me this week and uh, tell me about some problems that they were having in their marriage. And they wanted me to to contact their spouse and handle it for them. And I listened and I I empathized, but I said, there's nothing I can do. And there was a silence on the other end of the line. I said, they're not a member of my church. I have no authority. Christian, there's, there's there's an authority that we must submit ourselves to. It's the authority of the local church. It's not the authority of man. It's the authority of God, His Word, and His church. We can't do anything about what takes place in the world other than pray for them. But there are matters that must be dealt with amongst the body. And Paul writes, he says, purge out therefore the old leaven. Church, it's just time to just get rid of it. Just give it up. You don't need it. It's not good for you. It's not good for the Lord. It brings no glory to Christ. It will do nothing but hinder you, harm your testimony, harm the testimony of the local church, the testimony of our Savior. With God's help, you and I can live right. Aren't you thankful that God has given provision to live right and to do right? Let's just purpose in our hearts to get clean from sin and to stay clean from sin. Flee fornication, clean your house, and forsake fellowship. Very simply stated. But may God give us the help we need to obey His Word tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed,